February 2nd, happy Groundhog's Day 2024, and welcome to How to Restart a Church, a, a, a spin-off podcast where I, uh, Pastor Jay Comstock, and my colleague, who is present with me in the room, uh, Pastor Emily Larson, uh, talk about uh, how to make church happen and how to make church happen again. Today, we are going, so, okay, I'm going to preface this conversation uh, with, I try to make this show, generally try to make this show two things. I try to make it not a show about nothing. As much as I like Seinfeld, we need, we do, the world does not need more podcasts that are essentially about nothing. And the risk of this show is always you and I, you and I, Emily, just talk shop about like church, which and is the thing we spend all of our waking hours doing. Yep. It is either our lives consist either of making church happen um, or trying as desperately to care for our families, and that is kind of it. Yep. Right. Pretty um, much. Minus the you know two hours a night where I watch cult documentaries. I mean that's like is like that it you know <laughs> my life. That's what takes up all of our time though. Yeah. Church, family, rebuilding churches. Yeah, we live and in this cult world. documentaries. Um, <laughs> We should start, I should start just having, like, anyway. So we don't want this show to be about, no, just us sitting talk shop. The other thing I don't generally want this show to be is just ranting. Because that is not helpful. We try to introduce, like, a balanced perspective and that there is truth in a lot of things that weren't always right. And all that remains true. But I confess that this show may be a little more of a rant uh, <laughs> than normal. Uh, and that is because I, we're going to talk about unwords. Right. The like the like church ease that develops that makes us sound a nuts and b so wildly separate from the world that doesn't talk like that. Pretentious. Absolutely. Pretentious or just like gross. Like we're not thinking about what our words we know what our words mean. We don't think about what our words might communicate to someone who doesn't know what our words mean. And maybe we should just talk like humans. Anyways, I was at a meeting I definitely should not have been at. I was at a pastor's meeting and it's an occupational hazard, but I was at this pastor's meeting that I, I probably, it was just not, a, it was not my meeting. It was not my crowd. I'm not going to name it. It was, you know, but I encountered a term I had never heard and I wanted to leave. Like immediately. And I and, and instead, I, you know, being a socially awkward millennial, I did the most socially awkward millennial thing. I texted everyone I know about yep. this thing. I was, I was getting saying, texts in this meeting, constant updates of like, ugh, they just used this word and I don't know if I like that. <laughs> the term I encountered is gospel saturation. Gospel saturation. Hmm. I'll use it in context. Our goal is to reach gospel saturation in the city of Houston. And and I thought the first time I heard it, my screen crawled a little bit. I'm like, you know, live theater is hard. And, you know, when you're up and you have a microphone in your hand, I am as guilty as the next human of saying some wildly dumb stuff or mumbling my Spanish bad enough that Google Translate it turns it into a swear. <laughs> um, and so that's just a thing that has happened to me in the past few months. And so, yep. okay. I... But then he said it again, and it became clear that this was like 
a thing and then you know i text enough people that they started looking it up and this is like a term that floats around about like it is it is a way to talk about evangelism as if evangelism is slowly flooding your house and it's going to mold your drywall like it's just Ugh. i it was was i heard this term and i went i am really glad that it is all pastors in here and all like you know committed whatever because if someone outside of this weird religion that we have formed around the teachings and life and ministry of Jesus in the presence of the Holy Spirit that this this thing that we have built around it God it just I like it, it triggered my ick reflex you're it, so like you're the the pastor equivalent of those people that don't like the word moist yes. It's this the is word too moist, moist, but with gospel <laughs> saturation. And, Absolutely. And again, I, I do believe in trying to reach people for Jesus and, and, and reaching out to our neighbors. And we are called specifically. Uh, we are sitting, you know, right in the middle of the city of Houston. And I, you know, I, I, I too am seeking gospel saturation i think i don't know i yeah but the but calling it that term specifically does kind of make your skin crawl a little bit and make you go what are we why are we using this terminology there are there are better phrases right there are and so this gets so this introduces the like main so i got to thinking and which is still so dangerous um and only happens every once in a while but there are a lot of this verbal cruft that we have developed and some of it is as we're going to talk about later in this like we've been at this for 2000 years so we've developed a wide variety of verbal cruft but we get so used to talking to each other in ways that like i can understand what gospel saturation means but we go nose blind to what we sound like Yes. So it reminds me of, uh, I was doing mission work in South America and Central America, and they have these great big beautiful cathedrals down there from, you know, all sorts of wonderful history there. Um, but they all had these outer courts. And so they were telling the stories of, you know, um, these white conquistadores would come in and would start these chapels and would have these services um, where only the white people were allowed inside and the indigenous tribes had to stay in the outer courts that had never been, you know, exposed to Christianity before, um, but were being forced to, you know, be a part of this, you know, all sorts of things. Um, but they would hear the service only. And so they would hear them say things like, this is the body of Christ, yeah. or this is the blood of Christ, um, you know, take and eat and consume. And so they're sitting here picturing this, you know, human sacrifice happening inside of um, these beautiful new cathedrals that had been built. And so just... But we've been we've been through that before, right? So the right. early um, apologet, you know, back in like Greco-Roman times, we have this like we have to do some of what the early um, like attacks on Christianity was. They're cannibals, right? Like they we got like there's and like so we have to like <laughs> respond in the ways in which we are not cannibals, cannibals, exactly. Because you know even like even that right like. Um, the like eat, drink my blood and eat my body. Like it's right. really like, if you whew. are the outsider, if you have not heard this term before, but how many ways are we still doing that 
not maybe necessarily with communion because people, you know, understand that Christians aren't cannibals nowadays, but with our other terminology, with our well, and in our way, insider lingo. And in ways that we don't have to, right? I understand right. that, like, you know, I got called to ministry during communion, right? Communion is incredibly powerful. And to in- understand what that means, get what the meaning of us using those words that way, get to it like a really core of the faith. Right. Okay, yeah. So there are some of these, some of these things we're going to talk about are not necessarily things we get rid of, but like we also then add terms that sound wildly unhuman right. and, and sometimes grossly wet and yes. and it makes us even less, con- even there's always going to be a degree of rituals that aren't yours always sound weird. Right. But it, you know, back to my cult documentary problem. Like, you know, rituals that are not your ritual always sound weird. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get that. And communion for us is more than a ritual, right? It's this encountering God. Right. Real important. Okay, so that one, obviously, not getting rid of core of the faith. Right. But then why introduce gospel saturation? Right. Or introduce unnecessary. So, like, we use human words. We use real English. um, But we'll add things on. Like, we'll say love on somebody. We'll say uh, we just want to love on them. And I'm like, why don't you just... Love, love them. them. Just, just love them. Just, just love people. God called you to love people, yeah. not to love on um, people. What? And it just sounds so much weird when we say that. And just that one, that one is actually, we have, we have jumped straight to what may be my least favorite <laughs> of that. Partly because I don't ever want to be touched. Right. And love on really, and often the people saying it aren't touchers. Eh. And like... Uh, we're just going to love on them. Please do not. Please do not anything on me. Right. You and want if- to love me? Yes. Love me, love me. Say that you love me. Right? Like, <laughs> I, I I understand, like, we are a religion grounded in love. God yes. is love. God is love. Right. Absolutely. God is love. So love people. Um, but maybe don't use the terminology that you're going to love on people. Yeah. Why do we need our own? Why? Why is the preposition there? Also, I have never. Uh, and maybe this is. Maybe this exists, but I'm not sure I've ever met a non-Christian person that uh, used that phrase. Use that phrase no, because honestly, it just it it we, like that. Give gospel saturation gives me a smaller version of the ick that love on gives me. Yes. It is, it is a little bit of an icky. I mean, it just kind of makes your skin crawl a little bit when they say love on because normal people don't talk like that. Right. And like there, it is not, again, some of these concepts are 2,000 years old and ancient. And so the words we have them are just in Latin. And that is right. weird enough. Mm-hmm. Um, this is unnecessary because, it, you know, the editor in me goes, this communicates nothing different than just the word love. love. Yes. So just love people. Just love people, right? Right? Like, I, I, it's like the word respectable versus the word respectability. Same word. Right? Yeah. Like, why do we, like, why do we need, like, but like, love on, this is just, if you're paid by, I guess if you're paid by the word, um, it's great because you can say love. Uh, you can get paid. Uh, I don't know if anyone's paid by the word anymore. Meh. Uh, but yeah, so it has a real, uh, it's just that one, um, that one gives me. Some heebie-jeebies. Um, uh, my my next one on that list. This one I'm giving the heebie-jeebies, but it just does not. It, it's not a word that you don't need to say it this way because it makes it. It's fellowship, as a verb. Yeah. As a verb, specifically right. as a verb. as a verb, right? right. Like, like let us fellowship together. 
Yeah, or, or, or we're, or, you know, we're going to fellowship. We had a great fellowship last night, right? Like, I, I understand that there's a fellowship of the ring, right? Like, right, right, right. I, you know. Um, great and, pieces of literature, yes, but. But fellowship as a verb. We are going to, we're going to uh, uh, worship, um, and then after worship, we're going to fellowship. And I'm like, I, yes, I know what that means. Mm-hmm. This is not a word that there are other words that humans use for this that then make it sound like a human thing, not like a Christian ease thing. You can just say the words, hang out. Right. Gather. We're going to have a meal together. We are going to gather and talk, whatever the case may be. But yeah, fellowship does not necessarily have to be a verb. (laughs) Because... This goes to this one. I'll get you. It's not icky. It's just verbal cruft. It's just a yeah. thing that we say because we know what it means. Right. And then it just is another one of those things that make us sound so much different that we don't hang out. We fellowship as if this is like somehow a different concept than what humans normally do. Well, and often I hear it in the, it's because it's a better alliteration, right? It's faith, fun, and fellowship, right? You can have all the F sounds in there, right? And you can, you can faith, or food, fun, and fellowship, Food, fun, right? and fellowship, Food, yeah. fun, and fellowship is the other one, yeah. Um, because it just sounds better that way. But that's at but, least potentially using it as a noun. Right. I will give you, right, fellowship of the ring, right? Like fellowship, a fellowship is a noun used by humans. Right. We are going to fellowship as a verb. It is To me specifically, it is the verb usage of this. this is, mm-hmm. Again, Troy Comstock, professional writer. Um, <laughs> it is the verb usage of it that is just an insider way of saying a thing that humans do, but in a way potentially incomprehensible, or at least like that sets us apart verbally from other humans from uh, from the rest of the world absolutely so you had one um uh you had one about how we talk about members uh, congregational membership Ugh. um on this this list that i'm running okay. down okay so and maybe it's just because i mean i've been in a denomination for a very long time that likes numbers and reports and end of year reports and those things but i've heard many... the purpose of worship may be to update the spreadsheets that may be why we hold worship <laughs> is specifically to update the spreadsheets but i have heard many many pastors use the term for congregation members giving units Ugh. and they use that to differentiate between those who are coming who are maybe visitors or who are new or who are maybe those who have less resources that are part of their congregation but they they then also have instead those members that are giving units or who are important giving units and that is just my least favorite way of all time of referring to an actual human being in your congregation that's also a way to under put lower importance on anybody on youth and children yes because while uh you may have a lot of youth and children they do not constitute additional giving units correct and and or possible members that you can you know have baptized and into your faith so it's just it's one of those terms that anytime i hear it it just makes my skin crawl because that's not how you're supposed to think of human beings much less refer to other human beings there is also a uh, it's it's just, it is dehumanizing. Yes, there is a more human way to say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, there is a word. Uh, it even starts with an F. They are called families. By the way, yes, they are called 
Families. Families. You can think, and I, I do sometimes think about churches in terms of families. Right. Right? Of like, oh, so we have, you know, we may have, I, I, let's take Smith Chapel, for example, because that was the easiest number, those are the easiest numbers in my head, because it's my first, it's the first time I had to really think about this. You know, we probably, we had 70-ish people in worship at the time I left, and that probably represented something like 10 families. And that gave you a way to think about the interconnected relationships. And it gave you a way to think about, okay, I have this number of people, uh, but to think about, you got to think about the money. I, you know, I'm guilty, too guilty of thinking about the money. But right. it, there are, there is like a normal human way to say this too that doesn't just sound like we are trying to turn out widgets and the widgets <laughs> that we are trying to turn out are giving units. Right. Or that those are the people that we need to bring into the church are the giving variety of them, right? The giving units that need to start coming into our sanctuaries for well, one reason or another. And in that case, our current ministry is an utter failure. Right. By the way, we, we have, uh, we have uh, <laughs> our fundamental failure, according to this, lo- the logic of the word giving units, is while over the past year, uh, particularly Pastor Yeni um, and our uh, Spanish service have just uh, doing gangbusters. They've exploded. They've exploded. Yeah. They're all under the age of 18. And the, most of the growth has been um, in uh, youth and children coming without their families and so while uh, our attendance um, and our just like, you know, kingdom of God, whatever, it, you know, is, um, I, you know, I, I sometimes sit back at, you know, the Spanish service in particular, and I'm just like, what, God, what are you doing? Yeah. This is astounding. It's right? incredible. I, it's, you know, it, it's terrifying. As the person who does have to figure out how to pay for this, it is terrifying uh, but it's the beautiful kind of terrifying uh, but we have failed to bring in additional giving units giving units right if that were uh measured in giving units only then there's no growth there whatsoever no we right? have not yet we have not we have not grown uh according to giving units logic we have not grown in the past year um even though the like the the vibrancy of the of the gospel saturation <laughs> Because they have loved John and given them fellowship opportunities. There you go. And the fellowship we have after worship the is amazing. We have. Yes, absolutely. We have used all of these words correctly. I think. <laughs> I'm still not sure about gospel saturation, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it is like it just is this like dehumanizing mm-hmm. logic yeah. of again of the like the language the way we talk about people. This is the structure of the human brain, right? Like the way we talk about people impacts the way you think about people. Yes. And the way that you then treat said people. Right. And if you think about your church, um, if you look out with giving units, that's a problem. This does remind me. So, okay, there should be this thing called Google Glass. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was this like heads up display with like a camera and it would like, like project like a little bit of image. And now they have like other like AR glasses. Right. Um, so the whole idea is augmented reality that like the camera can recognize things in the environment and then show you a little bit of information about it. And I think the idea for Google was like, you would show you like directions, um, or whatever. So you wouldn't have to look down at your phone. You could just look at the environment and then have like a little bit of display, right? Mm-hmm. Then back in the day, the, the, it's a discontinued product. They're like 1300 bucks. Apple just came out uh, with their, uh, I forget what it's called, but they, their AR headset, right. where actually it's all cameras. 
and then the cameras are going to project. There are cameras pointed at your eyes that are tracking your eyes, and so the screen will show your eyes, but you will be looking at the world through Apple's 4K cameras. What? Um, and so and so they can project things onto reality. Okay. So I came up with a really genius product to help you with your giving units. Uh-huh. Okay. So if you put in some real basic facial recognition, and then you build a database of church members, then, uh, and I have this problem of like, you know, especially when you're new to church, you haven't learned everybody's name yet, right? And so like it, you could encounter the person and then- And your bring head... up their little profile right, for right, their right. But then also you can connect that to your church management software and it can bring up in your heads up, in your eyebrow display how much they're giving, <laughs> right? And so you can, and because all pastors kind of know this, right? If we're paying attention, we kind of know. And mm-hmm. the, the just for me, the goal internally is- don't ever treat anybody differently because how much they give. But you could, in that moment, know. <laughs> and it could even show you, right, it's, if it's really tied in with your software, um, it could show you how much they gave that day. Yes, it could. Right? Um, and so if they're coming to you with a problem or a thing, you can know. You know. Anyways, if you want to, <laughs> the logical end of giving unit logic Ugh. is that you, this is, you will have your heads up display and the facial recognition will associate them with the database. And then the database call will pull in, like, why, the, the nice version of that is, like, the name of their families and, you know, right. any prayer requests that they submitted. And that's all. You could definitely have all of that. And then also, <laughs> how much of a giving unit are how they? How big of a giving unit are you this week? And are you deserving of my time? Right? Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, uh, I, I, I'm going to be honest. Like, I have... Uh, I, I, I had a professor who essentially said exactly that, right? If someone comes to with you a problem, when they schedule that meeting, the first thing that you should do is check how much they give. <laughs> and if they don't give very much, don't worry about it. And I, yeah, because <laughs> that's how the kingdom of God works for sure. It's, it's... And, and I think it was a lesson on, well, if they're going to complain, they should have skin in the game. But that does make the assumption that, like, everyone's a middle-class person, where, where that, like, churches, the logic of a certain generation of church is grounded in that everyone is going to make 110% of what they need, and therefore the church is going to make 110% of what it needs. Mm-hmm. And what happens when, you know, the average person in your congregation only makes about 75% of what they actually need to survive? Right. And are, like, ma- having to, like do things like have, you know, five children sleeping in one bedroom with two mattresses because right. that's all the space that they can afford. And then how do you go to them and say, yeah, I need like 10% of your income. And by the way, 10% of your income better support the middle-class life for me and my family. Right. Exactly. Um, but it's, so it's not just the words that we say though. Sometimes it's the songs that we sing. <laughs> I, 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 I have a longer rant about I'll Fly Away, but that is not actually the problem here. Um, it is a song about I Can't Wait to Die, Oh Glory. Uh, but my actual, so my least favorite hymn in the hymnal, I think, is There is a Fountain Filled with Blood. And it's not actually because it's it's not particular. I mean, it is one of the blood hymns, and so and it all gets a little horror movie-esque. But I understand, like, the theology, right? And the, the, it is actually about having washed all your guilty sins away. It's, it's, it washed away my your guilty stains away. It is right. kind of beautiful in its own way, but it is a statement of grace. It is a song about grace. And so the actual message of there is a fountain filled with blood is not the problem with there is a fountain filled with blood. <laughs> 
The problem with there is a fountain filled with blood. Is the imagery. Is the imagery. The imagery of a fountain that is filled with blood and how messy and gross that actually is when you think about it. Well, and I, I try to imagine, again, the, the, the message of this rant of a show is what do the words mean to people who aren't already us? Right. And so I know, having been raised in the like southern branch of the church, I, I understand in particular, the blood of Jesus and the whatever, right? I, you know, in camera, I, there's a cross on my wrist, right? Like, oh, I get it. But imagine you are not a Christian yet, and you feel led for whatever reason. We know the reason. It's called God's provenient grace. God's provenient grace has drawn you into a church on Sunday. You have not heard a single word yet, but you've been handed a bulletin, which you wouldn't call a bulletin. That's another one. You bulletin. would not call a bulletin. You would call a program. Or a pa- pamphlet, pamphlet or whatever. You've been handed a program um, or a playbill, um, and you've seen the list of songs um, and Amazing Grace. Oh, that sounds interesting. Um, uh, uh, uh Whatever, onward, Christian soldiers. That's a little strange. And then you come down to the 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 one after the sermon because it was it's going to be on salvation, and so um, and you read there is a fountain filled with blood. You don't know about that fountain. You don't know whose blood is in it. Do you? Is my blood going to be in that fountain? I am surprised that more people have not left church services after having encountered they are going to be singing about a fountain that is filled with blood. Uh-huh. It is just. I, it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling that, like, it speaks to how, to me, how used to having one, ha- having being like being pervasive in culture that we are, that we can just freely say the phrase, "Yes, there is a fountain filled with blood," and expect people not to run away. You right. start to understand why the great Greeks and the Romans thought we were cannibals. This makes me sound either like we're a strange heavy metal act and some bat is about to lose a head, or someone else is about to lose a head and is it going to be me? I got to go. <laughs> there are a lot of strange hymns like that. Well, and there are some that, you know, I mean, they're beautiful hymns, but they're just, the names are strange or the lyrics are strange. If you're, if you didn't grow up in church and you don't know all of the stories, right? If you haven't read the Bible cover to cover and you don't actually know the stories of like woman in the night, for example, is one. It's a, it's a great hymn about the different Uh women in Uh scripture, right? It Uh references Mary and the woman at the well and, you know, uh, all of the the Mary Magdalene's and and a lot of great things. Um, But first off, it's called Woman in the Night. And I I just Googled it a little while ago to find the lyrics to to bring them up to remind myself before the show. Um, Use caution when Googling the phrase. So not only is the the phrase itself PG-13 at best. Right. The lyrics out of context of the song. Are horrific. Are PG-13 at best. Are, yes. Okay, so like woman in the crowd creeping up behind. Touching is allowed. Oh, God. I forgot about touching is allowed. I forgot about touching is allowed. How can I ever forget about touching is allowed? Right, right, right. Um, You know, woman at the feast. This is a good one about, you know, the woman at the feast. Let the righteous stare. Come and go in peace. Love him with your hair. Uh Uh-huh. 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 Like, okay, we get that's a reference to washing Jesus' feet with your tears and wiping them with your hair. But, like, that's that's a weird reference in the middle of a song if you are not familiar with that story. There are a lot of those that are like... Love him 
With your hair. Love him with your hair. Yeah, no, I had so I had not heard that. I had not ever encountered that song mm-hmm. until we were until you read it to me at a worshiping planning meeting where I was on yep. my rant. This is not the first time Emily has heard my rant about there is a fountain filled with blood. <laughs> I uh-huh. yep. There's, um, there's then, some out there. And then you read that one, and I think I actually fell out of my chair. <laughs> I think I literally uh-huh. fell on the floor um, with a visceral of anyone who is not us. Who has just right. lived in the broader world. And that... hearing the phrase, touching is allowed. Yeah. Love him with your hair. Like there's some weird phrases. I mean, it's the same with yeah. like, he touched me. Uh-huh. Like we get that that's yep. a beautiful song. That's a great hymn about like the touch of God in your life. And there's nothing weird about it. But if you're not in that world and you're only the insider. I mean, if you're, so if you're not the insider. So there is an amazing episode of South Park. This is early South Park. Uh-huh. I haven't watched South Park in 10 years or more. Um, that So Cartman was going to become a cr- contemporary Christian artist. Uh-huh. And what he did is he took incredibly sexual uh, lyrics, really <laughs> oh incredibly sexual love songs, made minor alterations to make them vaguely about Jesus, and then is just singing the like these incredibly sexual songs. Um, and of course the plot of the show is then it works, right? Be, oh my God, this is amazing. And what he's doing right. is he's taking... You're really like, and and he t- like he touched me and and woman right. in the night, woman in the night, woman in the night, it's literally called woman in the night. Okay, yep, yep, great, well done, us. <laughs> um, is I mean, some of it is like we are maybe mildly too innocent, mm-hmm. and the world that we're trying to reach isn't right, and we just need to keep that in mind that. Is we're trying to reach modern adult humans, and I think this may be part of my problem with gospel saturation right. and love on. It's just like the world is not the clean, innocent place that, like, you know, uh, those of us who grew up in actually grew up like you, Emily, actually getting the lessons of youth group, um, <laughs> do not always uh, connect with. Um, I wanted to add kind of one one more kind of column of these. And that is, we've just built up a lot of words in 2000 years that no one uses. Right. And that some of them, honestly, even the average member of your congregation doesn't know. And I know this because I showed up to seminary as an incredibly average member of a congregation. Uh, And I encounter these words and I go, what are these? Right lectionary yeah. or liturgy, liturgy, right, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, li- liturgy, the word for the stuff that people do during, not the stuff that the people do, right? right? Anything that the people do, that's liturgy. And yeah, so yet, why do we, we have, a, we have a word for it that's Greek. Liturgy is Greek. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so we have a Greek word for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 we have uh, wonderful uh, Latin and Greek terms for things. Um, eschatology. Yep. Eucharist. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, eschatology, by the way, study of the end times, understanding the end times. Uh, here's a good one. Soteriology. There you go. So that's the uh, study of salvation. Right, or Christology, that even. Least, any of the ologies. Any of the ologies. Christology, mm-hmm. at least, I can I can, I can, can guess, idiot me Christ. can guess yeah. what that meant before my professor told me what it meant. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, soteriology and eschatology, had no idea. Right. Had no idea. Made it through confirmation, church, my whole, my whole life. Confirmation, uh, confirmand. Uh, yeah. Ordinand. Elder and deacon. <laughs> yes. Right. Pastor's hard enough. 
Right. Right. But like pastor is at least a word. Pastor and priest are words out there in culture. Mm-hmm. But then we, 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 we love to say them uh, in, uh, of course, we love to say them in Greek, diakone. Yeah. Um, presbyter. Presbyter. Uh, that's a fun one. Right. I didn't know why the Presbyterian, I, I again, grew up in a denomination with presbyters. Did not know why the Presbyterians were called the Presbyterians until I got to seminary. <laughs> <laughs> like, we just... Yes, even the like the things that we do, like our our lectionary calendars, right? Like yeah. Pentecost, like all of the high holy days that are not Easter and Christmas. Yep, you know. Um. And some of that. So this is this is a mildly different category, right? Of maybe we use these terms because they are just these are just the words that they are. These are just right. the things that they are, right? <laughs> like I am not advocating getting. We're going to be celebrating Ash Wednesday. I am not advocating the getting rid of Ash Wednesday. Right. What I am advocating to and try and try and put my ministry where my mouth is on this is if we're going to use this like insider language that we've built up over 2000 years, we don't get to assume that everyone, even who sat diligently in our pews forever, know what it means. Right. Another right. one, by the way. Uh, so back at Smith Chapels, you know, like 10 years ago, I did a uh, – study of the Apostles' Creed, and we just took it line by line, right? Uh, pop quiz, what is the quick and the dead? Aha, uh-huh, that's a good one. Or the Catholic Church. Yeah, lowercase c, Catholic Church. Lowercase c. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so quick and the dead is just the living and the dead. Right. And, and here's another one of those, like, I'm teaching this series, and we get there, and I had to Google it. <laughs> like, again, <laughs> like, I am at this point, to, maybe I... Maybe the answer to all to this section is I am just terrible. Uh, you know my 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 column, which now by the way available as a Substack as well, uh, where if you want the written words of the essay that I do for the you know the goodness of God pod, um, uh, it's entitled "Confessions of an Ignorant Church Mouse," and so maybe I just. You know, maybe this, this, the, the, both the episodes this week are about how ignorant a Christian I actually am. <laughs> um, maybe the rest of y'all knew this and I'm just dumb. Um, but, or left behind, you know, I am left behind. Whether I'm actually <laughs> going to get left behind. Speaking I don't of apocryphal. Speaking of apocryphal speaking things. Speaking of eschatological. You know, I, I don't believe you know. in the, the flying in the air thing. But I've clearly just, I'm, I'm like in left behind, friends. Um, maybe I just got left behind and the rest of y'all knew this stuff and I just didn't. But I didn't know. Like, made it through. I took confirmation twice, not because I flunked it, um, but just because I went to, like, once my aunt needed something to do with me during the summer, and so I got parked in another church's confirmation class, but then I didn't get to count it, and so I had to take it again. I had no idea. I was 27 years old. I was a licensed Christian minister, Methodist minister. No idea what the quick and the dead were. I had to look it up. I Googled it in the moment, Um, and I, I at least, like owned that I was Googling it. He was like, hey, I got a question. Uh, Chris Stockberger was this wonderful, uh, wonderful, very committed member. And he was one of those perfect people who will who would not be embarrassed to ask. He would just ask it. Like yeah. he, he was comfortable enough in himself and secure enough of himself. He's still alive. I, he is secure enough of himself that he would just ask a question he's thinking of it. And so he's like, hey, Pastor, what's the quick and the dead? And I'm like, I, uh, I don't know, Chris. Uh, uh, <laughs> this is embarrassing. 
Right. But the quick and the dead is not the part that I thought that you would uh, have gotten hung up on in the Apostles' Creed. The one that always gets me in confirmation is in confirmation classes when we're teaching it is Catholic. Yeah. They look at me and go, wait, I thought we were Methodist. <laughs> and like, well, or whatever, yeah. Or whatever, yeah. But like we, yes, but that's not what Catholic means. Catholic, this Catholic is... is it's universal. a word. It it's is a, a word. We just have only associated it with the Catholic Church. Well, the first two ever denominations got to pick two really great names, and the rest of us have been fighting over the scraps ever since. Yeah. Right? So Catholic means universal. Right. And Orthodox means right-believing. Right. So the universal church, its first spinoff was the right-believing church, which, yep. if you're going to pick a name, powerful. Right. Also, great power move. Um, <laughs> great power move, Right. Um, the universal church, it's a good name. The right believing church, it's a good name. Great name. And the rest of us have been fighting over the scraps. Yep. Um, ever since. A shout out to the Pentecostals, which really also picked like a power move of a name <laughs> of like, you know, we're the ones with the Holy Spirit. That one's, uh, again. That's a big one. You know, our name, not great. Our name was a slur. As we talked about on last week's show, our name was a slur. Was originally a slur. Was originally a slur. It's well, not great. It. <laughs> um, this one, right believing and universal, right? But mm-hmm. Catholic is just. A, a word, word that means universal, yeah. And so explaining that to because we don't use that as that term anymore. Yeah. And so, I, again, I always knew this episode was more rant than I did not know I was going to talk about Google Glass, though. <laughs> we, we fail our mission, I think. And I, you know, again, I'm, I'm maybe not guilty of loving on. Um, I've been guilty of a fellowship as a verb every once in a while, even though I hate it. Mm-hmm. But you just fall into that like verbal cruft that builds right. up. But we just speak Christianese. We just fall into that. I mean, it just becomes part of your language. It's like you're, you know, people who work in certain fields have certain languages that they start to speak, and and that only makes sense to them. Um, and I, that's probably good if you're trying to put somebody on the moon, right? To have a really quick verbal shorthand. Right. To express a lot of things. I'm watching um, uh, Masters of the Air um, on uh, Apple TV Plus right now, which is about uh, B-17 pilots um, uh, in World War II. Mm-hmm. And uh, whoever designed the show is utterly obsessed with airplane startup procedures. Um, there is an entire multi-million, this is a multi-million, probably a hundred million dollar production. There is several minutes of your watching the pilots and the co-pilots and the engineers flick switches and use techno babble with each other. And I'm utterly fascinated because I'm incredibly nerdy, right? And so, <laughs> yes, when you are trying to turn on a B-17 to go bomb the Nazis, I want you to have a verbal shorthand for pumping the fuel into engine one and, like, be right. able to do that quickly, right? Yes. The Air Force literally has a three-letter acronym for three-letter acronym. It's TLA. TLA, Right, yeah. so you can say, you know, every, most things are three-letter acronym. What's the three-letter acronym for that? It's too long to say three-letter acronym. You just say TLA. What's the TLA for that? Yeah. I was Uh a special ed teacher, right? I I, I get that. But our goal is not shorthand. Our goal is not economy of language. Our goal is being comprehended by people who don't know they belong here yet. By real people. So when you need to do ministry with real people in real language, maybe remember that we don't need the shorthand. Right. That, I mean, it's the like... Maybe this is ran over. And like, again, <laughs> I am more guilty of the academies 
Um, or if I do introduce them, I usually make it a joke of like, hey, you want to impress somebody? Here's a word. Yes. Right. But like to and even to the people in our pews, if we're kind of lean on our beautiful history of 2000 year old ritual, 2000 years of like very meaningful worship and ritual and words associated with that, um, we should talk about that. We should explain it. This is why things like Chuck Knows Church exist. Yeah. If you ever need like a really easy webisode to explain what the heck a word is in church, that's that's why Chuck Knows Church exists. Well, and we're coming up on the on the season of Lent starts in it's like T minus two and a half weeks, mm-hmm. um, not even um, two weeks from Wednesday. Um, we're coming up on the what to me what is the season that is uh, the most of these like the at least churchy words mm-hmm. that maybe matter because they at least explain a theological concept not captured in other words. But like, why is Good Friday good? Right. Tenebrae, right? Why do Uh, we call it Tenebrae? Monday, Thursday. Yes. It's just holy. It's just a... It's old Englishy way of I had to look this one up because again like I I, I built this whole thing where people are gonna ask me and so yeah. it's just holy, mm-hmm. um, but it's like an old cool way of saying holy. Right. But it is you know it is a, a bit, even Easter right like right. and then we get into the politics of it is Easter is it Resurrection Sunday right we, right anyways hey the goal of our communication is. To be comprehended, particularly by a world that doesn't know they want to be here mm-hmm. and doesn't that does belong here and doesn't know they belong here. And so some of this stuff we just need to me, we just need to stop saying and just use the words that normal people use for the same concepts. Mm-hmm. Some of it is if, if our thing is going to sound gross or scary to an outsider, be really aware of that as right. we approach that. And that love on falls in that category. Right. And then if it is something wholly ancient and important, explain what they mean. Yes. Teach it. And don't assume. Because, again, I made it through. And I've had people much older than me when I've done these lessons on, hey, this is what the quick and the dead means. Like, I'm 80 and I didn't know that. And I'm like – Man, we failed. You probably said that a thousand times or more. Yep. Anyways, I I can keep ranting about this forever. And you probably have your own version of these words. If there are words like this, email us. Let us know what are the words that make your skin crawl or that we should maybe stop using or explain a little better in the church. Because maybe even there are ones on your list that we're not going to have, and that's going to help us yes. to not use them. Uh, yes. The goodness of God pod at gmail.com. This is the goodness of God pod at gmail.com. You will actually be helping save the church from itself. Yes. Help us out. Um, also, if you want more of what we do around here, follow us on all the things um, at Servants Now and just about everything Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, the internet, uh, servantsnow.org. Everything we do here in the Media Lab is made possible by Generous Innovators Grant for the Texas Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church, but we can use your help too. Like, comment, subscribe. Those things actually help. Also, your comments help deepen our discussion um, and make it better for everybody when it's more than just two voices. Um, also, uh, give us a five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts because that helps us, all of this stuff, helps us rise in the algorithms. Uh, these, uh, you know, the modern day Agora and helps, and that's another one, Agora Marketplace. It just sounds better in Greek. <laughs> also, go in peace.
to love and serve the Lord. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>